All right, like I said earlier, good morning. Um, if you came in late um, and were not here earlier and you're a guest with us, welcome. My name is Jeremy. I'm one of the pastors here at the church. And I didn't say this before, but uh, happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. This is a, uh, um, an interesting day, similar to Mother's Day, in the sense that uh, it can bring a lot of different emotions from a lot of different places, right? Some of us, this is a fun day, an exciting day. For some of us, maybe, who have lost uh, fathers in the last year, the last several years, or have a strained relationship with your father, it can be a hard day. It can be a sad day. This could, this could breed um, anger. Um, for those fathers that desire to have kids, it can be a, a, a very hard day as well. So I just want to recognize that, that, that a, a day like this gets put on the calendar, and it is, it is uh, kind of joyous for some, and not... Uh, so much for, for others. And, and the interesting thing in our lives, like we're going to probably get to experience um, all of those different emotions at one time or another on a Father's Day. But we are continuing on in our series where we're going through um, a psalm every week. And this week we're looking at Psalm 78. Psalm 78. And this does have application for uh, fathers and, and parents, and, and I'll get into that here in a second. But we're just going to read the first eight verses of this chapter. First eight verses, Psalm 78, and this is God's word. Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old. Things that I, we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from our children, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach to their children, that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children, so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments, and that they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, I ask this morning that, as always, that as we take in your word, we listen to your word, we think about your word, I pray that your spirit would work through your word to change us and change our minds and our hearts and how we live, and that we're coming into this place to, you know, learning and, 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 and worshiping and, 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 and spending time with your presence, but I pray that that uh, wouldn't leave uh, when 11.30 or so gets here, but that, would, that this would move us to continue um, to live the life you've called us to live um, beyond um, this building. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. So those of you who have um, who studied child development, or for sure probably parents, um, understand this, and we've been um, looking at a lot of this because we're going through um, foster care training right now, so we're learning um, a lot more and getting refreshers on child development, but um, everyone would, would agree that our formation as human beings begins early, early on, and I would say it begins in the womb. We begin um, to be formed into the people that we um, end up being as adults. We can also use the word as a, like a map. We're given a map. A map is put before us, and we're shown 
the way by someone else to, um, to flourishing, at least whatever their definition of flourishing is, right? This is the way we are formed. And, and our formation prim- primarily comes from our caregivers early on in life. And anything you'll read, you'll see that in those early years, uh, connection's important, relationship's important, uh, meeting needs is important, physical presence is important. All of those things are really, really important early on, and that's where a lot of formation happens. But as we get older, that circle of influence grows larger and larger. We get a little bit older, we start being more influenced by our friends. We get older and older and start having some independent, independency as, as a result to what we can read and what we can look at and what we can watch. And those things get larger and larger and larger as we grow up. And so we have to be aware of that more things as we get older. When I was growing up 30 years ago, this was pre-internet and pre-small computers. Right? We just had big computers. Even laptops weren't a, a, a big deal back then. My primary circle of influence beyond my parents was mostly my friends. Maybe a little bit of TV, some movies that I watched growing up, but primarily it was the people in my house and it was my close friends. But today it's different. Today it's different. From a very early age, we have really all the formative information or all the information to form us, I should say, in the palm of our hands, literally in phones. Right? And so kids can, can begin to be formed by other things much earlier than when I grew up 30 years ago. And in this day and age, um, mostly because of postmodernism and, and, and some other things, we like to think of ourselves as kind of completely autonomous individuals. Um, but we have to remember that who we become is directly related to our external environment. The things, the, the things that are around us as we grow up, the things we take in. And this is hard in this day and age, especially if maybe you're a little bit younger. Um, there's this growing kind of pushback against authority. Like authority is bad and, and in a lot of ways. And authority needs to be uh, not trusted and authority needs to be questioned. And that's good when it comes to oppressive authority. And authority that is not leading human beings to, uh, to flourishing But it goes too far when we say all authority should be questioned, all authority is potentially bad, and that usually what gets lumped into that is tradition. Tradition is bad. The the way things have always been done should be looked at with skepticism, and that tends to be kind of the world we live in, and when that's the case, even God as the authority begins, it's it's easier to question God. Oh, you know, how do you know that, and and whatever. In In the book, the Bible, the ultimate authority, we would say as followers of Jesus, this book that reveals God to us, even that authority is questioned more today than ever. Is it really God's word? Is it really sufficient? Is it really inspired by God? And obviously, God knows that we are formed from a very, very early age because he made us, right? He, he created us. He hardwired us. He knows exactly what we need. And this is why uh, a thread running through the whole scriptures is this idea of, of formation and actually this idea of people that are older um, are for sure more mature in their faith, actually coming alongside those who are younger or less mature in their faith and helping them be formed. Showing them a map, giving them a map of life that will actually lead to flourishing and not, um, and, uh, not to, to d- damaging in some ways or, or deformation, as we would say as followers of Jesus. You go Genesis 1, God says to Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply and have dominion. 
That's extending Eden in that in language in that day. It would have been extending Eden and taking God's ways and multiplying, creating more human beings, and that more human beings would, would know the way and know the map and be formed into God's ways. Deuteronomy 6 in Hebrew, this is referred to as the Shema. There early on in Deuteronomy 6, where you have it says, You should Lord love the Lord your God with your heart and all your soul and all your might. And God says, These things should be on your heart, and you should teach these things to your children. And then he gives us, in a couple of verses after that, he gives a, a way to do that, like the, to all the time, being very intentional, showing your children how to live. Then in the New Testament, you have all of this really being under the umbrella of discipleship, right, and sanctification, growing up in our faith. So today, I, I'm, um, I'm talking, I'm going to focus a little bit on fathers because it's Father's Day, but really this is a message for mothers, fathers, parents, for sure, and even those of you who aren't um, parents yet to prepare for that day if the Lord allows you to have kids, um, or even people who aren't married even now. You have people in the church who are less spiritually mature than you, and part of the family of God is to pour into those younger than you, especially younger in the faith. And for kids in here, you, um, I, let me see your eyes, kids, real quick. For you, the thing I want you to pay attention to this morning is how are you receiving the things your mother and father are trying to teach you? And, and volunteers in the back when you're in a classroom. Like, how are you receiving that? Because they're trying to pass down things that will help you flourish, that will help you love Jesus more, especially those mothers and fathers who are of the faith. That's, that's the prayer, obviously, that you're doing that. So let's look at Psalm 78. We're just going to walk verse by verse through this. First verse, give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. So God says, listen. And there's an exclamation point there in my translation saying, listen to this. This is important, right? So this is going to be an echo of some of the things we heard in Genesis 1 and Deuteronomy 6, right? This theme of pouring into future generations, this is what at least this first eight verses is about. Verse 2, I will open my mouth in a parable type of teaching. I will utter dark sayings from of old, kind of traditions, things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. So the psalmist is looking back saying, we've been taught these things by our fathers. And in the timeline of Israel, this would have been way after the Genesis for sure in Deuteronomy. So the generations have, have kind of obeyed that command that God um, asked them to do. And this is the psalmist uh, talking about that. Then in verse 4, it says, we will not hide them from our children. This is the traditions. These are the teachings, the parables. Hide them from, from their children, but to tell the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. So the, the thing that we're going to refer back to in this passage is that, that, that phrase, that, that line, the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. And we know that is found in uh, God's word. Okay, and then we have verse 5 here. Verse 5 begins to change, kind of pivot here, the psalmist, to kind of talking about why we do this. Verse 5, he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded to our fathers to teach their children. There it is again. Now, verse 6, here it is. That, or so that. This is, when you see that in the scriptures, when you're reading your Bible, you look what was before that, because this is a purpose. So what verse 6 is saying, in light of those five verses, or because of those five verses, here's the, the, the teaching here. The next generation might know them. The children yet unborn. Interesting there. He calls children the unborn as well. 
um, and arise and tell them to their children. And he continues, so that, here it is again, they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. And that they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation. A generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. Okay, so really he's saying we want to, he, first off, verse 1, he says, listen, right? Listen to what I'm going to say. This is important. And then in verses really 2 through 5, he's talking about um, what we need to think about. We need to think about these things. We need to be aware of the teachings from of old, their traditions, the things that we have learned from the scriptures, the stories from um, the Old Testament, this is why uh, the Jesus Storybook Bible is, one, is a great tool because, one, you teach your kids this and they can understand it, but it also gives you um, a, several dozen stories to be able to kind of think back through and tell really quickly. Because after you've been through Jesus Storybook a few times all the way through, you can begin to tell these stories, maybe not perfectly, but you can get the gist of them by just hearing the title of the book. And this is exactly what the scriptures are talking about here, passing down God's word, showing them what it looks like to be formed in God. And the verses um, really seven and eight here talk about the outcome, right? Talk about the outcomes of what we want, what we want from our kids, what we want from those younger generations in our church, even those who are um, less, um, less spiritually mature than us, this is what we want. Listen to just some of these things, set their hope in God, not forget the works of God, Keep his commandments. That's all in verse 7. We want people to hope in God. Like for, 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 for Jackson and, and, and even Jonathan, like I want them to hope in God. I want them to never lose hope in God. And to develop that hope even, because neither one of them are followers of Jesus yet, but to develop that hope in God as they get older. And then the second thing there is not forget the works of God. That, that Jackson would not forget the gospel. That he would remember what Jesus has done for him. And then keep his commandments, right? That's another phrase there. We want, I want a, a Jackson, Jonathan to one day walk with Jesus in such a way that they'll flourish. That's the point of God's commands, right? It's, a, it's an act of grace that God gives us these commands, and these commands lead to flourishing, spiritual flourishing. That's the point of the commandments. It's not to be saved. It's to live a life that we can experience more and more of Jesus as time goes on. So God's commandments are good. Kids, when, uh, when your parents um, may have rules, um, some of those may not come from the Bible, and those are still okay rules, maybe just how your house should be, um, things to be done in your house, but oftentimes they do come from the Bible, and your parents want you to flourish and know God and experience Jesus, which is why they're telling you these things, not to be harsh and not to be controlling, maybe in our weak moments when we are doing that, parents, but, but kids... More often than not, they, they, they want you to experience Jesus to a greater degree. This is why there are commandments. And I think verse 8 is interesting. And this is, I know now that I'm a, a, a father, uh, for only been for four years or so, but this is what I feel. I want my kids to have more than I did. And I think that's natural for parents. Right? I want them to experience more of Jesus, more of God, walk closer um, with God than I am right now. That's what I want for them. And so this is kind of what this is saying. Now, there were some major mess-ups in, in Israel, and we know that. And that's why he calls them a stubborn and rebellious generation. But pretty much every generation can probably be said that. That, that can be said about most generations. So as I'm talking to Jax, I want him to say, I want, I want your generation to be better than my generation. I want them to love God more than my generation did and go see people um, saved and teach people and form people more than my generation did. 
Now, that's the, that, I think that's the calling. That's our call as parents. That's our call uh, for sure as fathers. That's our call even as those who don't have kids yet. I think the scriptures are clear that we're to find people younger than us in the, the church and to invest in and to be intentional with. Um, John Tyson, um, a, a guy that I lear- have learned a lot from, from afar, a pastor and theologian in New York City, um, he's got four, um, and he, he talks a lot to fathers, right? And, and, but I think this is in the context of mothers or dads. Um, these four stages, um, or ki- he calls them kinds of fathers. And I think this is helpful um, just to maybe do some self-reflection on. He calls the first phase of the first kind of father ignorant. And it's not ignorant, it's not, it doesn't mean to be super harsh, it's just there's fathers that are unaware of the role that's been given to them. They're just, it's a blind spot. Maybe they've never been taught that. Maybe they grew up with a mother or father who never explained to them or showed them that they'll eventually have a role as a mother or father, right? And so um, there's unawareness of the role given. Two, uh, the second kind is an inconsistent father. Um, someone uh, or a, a parent that um, maybe understands the role, but is just kind of inconsistent. It comes in and out of um, a, uh, their, their kids' lives. Three is an involved father. Involved father. And this is a, a father that's trying his best or a mom that's trying her best and just trying to survive. And there are seasons when this is, this is probably all you can give. But the goal should be in the fourth kind or stage, you would call, is the intentional father. The intentional mother and father. And this is when the, the mother and father has stepped back and thinks through practically with strategy and a plan, how am I going to develop? How am I going to spend time with? How am I going to create a map or a pathway for my kids to flourish? And this is the goal that we should all want. We should want to be intentional parents. And with that idea of intentional, he, he has three kind of uh, steps under that. Which So if you're going to say, well, what should I be intentional with, right? Well, he, these three things I think are good. He, call, he says wisdom, character, and skill. Think of head, hard hands, right? He says, wisdom, like pass down the wisdom, right? Teach them the word. Help them memorize scripture. Help them memorize the truths of the word. Character, begin, that's kind of the heart. That's, what's, that's kind of the unseen stuff sometimes, the virtue. Like are, are we creating an environment and we're talking through character qualities, virtues. And obviously this, this um, increases as, as kids get older. Um, and then lastly, skills. Are they developing the skills before they leave your house that they will have in order to survive. These could be spiritual skills or they could just be life skills. The way the world works, those kinds of things. Okay, um, And what this requires, it requires time and energy and training and teaching. And it requires us as parents to always have to be learning and, and understanding the world. Because the world they're growing up in is different than the world I grew up in. So I have to be at least moderately aware of what's happening in the world and maybe the dangers that will be facing them in this world. That's all kind of the job of parents. And if you're, if you're not with me yet, I'll just say, like, think of, think of uh, your finances. A lot of you, or maybe even most of you, have a plan for your finances. You sat down, you budgeted, which is a plan, right? You have strategy, you have savings, you know somewhere that mo- this money's going, right? You've invested and you've been intentional in the time to do that. With your career, um, many of you are strategizing and planning and have those roles in your companies and, and in your workplaces and in your schools. Um, you, you do that for your career. Um, home projects, those of you who have a home project, you usually kind of count the cost and think through plans and strategy and what you're going to do before you have a home project. So why wouldn't we do this for our kids? 
Now, you can't control your kids as much as some of these things. I, I understand that. But we can control the environment that we create and pray like crazy that God would save our kids. That God would save those who come into the church, maybe who are younger in their faith, and that God would develop them. Right? That God would, would come into their lives and, 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 and form them. Right? But what we can control is the environment with which they're raised in. So do we plan for that? Do, are we intentional? Do we strategize for that? Now, this is a giant calling, right? This is a big calling. And I think this is why from beginning to end of the scriptures, you're going to find this calling and this command in different shapes and forms. And so I want to connect this back to the gospel because you are not saved based off of how good of a mom or dad you are. I'll just say that again so there's no guilt in the room. You are not saved based off how good of a mom or dad you are. You're not. That is not a part of the gospel. So let's talk about the gospel. Gospel in the terms of even a father, right? So Jesus lived this perfect life that none of us could live. So when we're not, when we fail as a dad or we fail as moms or we fail as just a spiritual mother or father to someone in the church, we can know that Jesus lived a perfect life. He's lived perfectly. He lived in perfect obedience to the father. He's our model, but he's also our comfort in the fact that he's the one that lived the perfect life, not us. And we couldn't do that. Then he died a sacrificial death for us when we didn't want anything to do with him. One of the things that we're called to do, this, uh, everything I've laid out, takes sacrifice, right? It takes time, takes effort, takes energy. So he's our model in sacrifice, and now he laid down his life for people. But he's also the one who died in our place because we, we weren't perfect, and I, we deserve to die, but through God's grace and mercy, he took my place. So when I'm wanting to condemn myself and feel guilty and shameful for not being the dad I want to be, I can remember Jesus. God has already punished me in Christ. Jesus has already taken my punishment. He's already taken God's wrath. And I can trust in that. And I can believe that. I can take comfort in that. Let's talk about the resurrection. Jesus rose from the dead. He's still alive today, and he sends his spirit to live inside of those who have faith in him, so that and, and he lives inside of us. So when we're failing or we can't do this or it's hard, you're going through rough seasons as a parent, you can, if you're a follower of Jesus, you can fall back on the, the idea that, that the spirit is inside of you. And he wants to empower you and give you the, the, the strength and the wisdom to be the parent that he wants us to be. But we have to fall back into his grace and his mercy and be filled with the spirit to be able to, 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 to be a good parent. It takes empowerment of the spirit to be a good parent. I'm learning that every day. Even though I'm a, I'm a, I get four years into this thing, and it is hard. Any parent would tell you that it is really, really hard. It is worth it, but it is hard, and we need the spirit for that. So there's nothing in there that, 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 that makes this up to us, right? His life, his death, his resurrection, his filling with us with the spirit. It is all on God through Jesus and the power of the spirit, and we can take comfort in that. And we can trust that. Now, those commands are still given to us. The responsibility, the task is still laid out and before us to pour into the coming generation. But we can fall back into the gospel to give us hope and comfort and empowerment to be able to do that. So the word I want us to remember is intentionality. Being intentional. If you're like, where do I start with this? Be intentional. Fathers, mothers, spiritual fathers and mothers in the church. Be intentional. Think about make plans, strategize. There's, there's so much out there. There's so many good resources out there that I can give you to do this. There are, are plenty of people who've gone before you in the church to pull them aside and say, hey, how do you do this? 
we're, we're going through this. I'm struggling with this. How did the, you work this out when your kids were this old? Or how did you do this and that? Right? Grab somebody in your missional community. If you don't have anybody in your missional community that you can talk to about this, come talk to me, and I can set you up with someone, and y'all can have, go have a conversation about this, and I can help you find the person to help you if you're a, a mother or father to be able to work this stuff out. This is about learning to do this and being formed as we get older as well. And I want to close with this and we'll move into communion. Um, I was listening to one uh, pastor on a podcast one time and the, the, the guy was asking him, like, hey, what do you do? And, like, and, he, and, and the guy was afraid to give him his, like, his template for fatherhood. Um, and so he kind of said, I just, I just want to make it really simple for the listeners. He said, he goes, these are the two things we just knew we had to do. As parents, as him and his wife created in their home, he said we wanted to have fun. We wanted to have a fun, joyful home and didn't take ourselves too seriously. And two, we wanted to talk about Jesus nonstop. It doesn't matter how, how we're doing it or if we're getting it even all right. We just wanted to have fun and talk about Jesus as much as possible all day long in every way possible. And he said if we, we trust, if we do those two things God's going to have a chance to form them and bring them up in the way we pray and hope he does. And that was his wisdom. And I, I have, that's probably three years ago, and I haven't forgotten that. When it's hard and we're like, oh, man, we don't have our stuff together. We need to, like, get away and figure out how we're going to, you know, Jackson is in a different stage. And, and we're like, hey, we need to handle this. Hey, let's, we, we talk about this. Let's remember, it's fun and it's Jesus. Let's make sure we do those two things. And we can control those two things. We can do those two things well. Let's pray. Father, I, I uh, thank you for the psalms once again, and this one was a, a psalm of, of, of really wisdom or instruction, and I, I love that you have psalms that, that read like this, that help us and give us direction, and this is a part of the, the people of God's worship service, and we're thankful that we see these things. We see you showing people how to live, showing people how to pour into the, the next generation. And so my prayer for all of us in this room is to be intentional with the people around us that God has entrusted us with. And I pray that kids in this room, I pray that they would, um, you would open their ears, you would open their hearts, and that you would have them listen to their moms and dads and other people in their family and spiritual fathers and mothers in their lives, that, that you would you would help them hear, and you would call them and bring them to yourself as a result of the work that um, the older people are putting in, um, putting in, in, in this time. And, and more than anything, I just pray that we would fall back on the gospel and that you would um, help us and, and help us remember as we move into a time of communion that you are a good, good father. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.